More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 2024 is going to be a monster year in politics. We want to keep you up to date on all things election, but you've got lives, families, jobs, and you can't always listen every day to the show. That's why we've created a podcast called 24 that gives a recap of our election coverage from the week. Think of it like a highlight reel, a breakdown of all the plays, analysis, and team interviews. 24 will drop at noon Eastern on Sundays in our podcast feed. You can find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Wednesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show kicks off right now. Funny, Clay, yesterday I was talking to uh, Carrie, my wife. I think the audience all know that now. And uh, we joked around about how it would feel like a very different show if it were our first names instead of our middle names. The Richard Travis and James Sexton Hour. Sounds like a couple guys on NPR talking about their favorite international music or something. You know what I mean? You know? Oh, I love these yeah, tunes actually, from Sweden. Those guys would know how to test, t- tell the difference between bottles of wine. Oh, they definitely would. They would not be making statements, Philistine, barbarous statements about how you can't tell the difference between fancy and non-fancy wine. Um, but anyway, so yes, we're, we are not doing the Richard Travis and James Sexton hour, although that would maybe one day we'll show up with uh, monocles and ascots and talk about uh, different things, and that will be uh, April Fool's. All right, so yes, yes, the big news from last night, Nikki Haley loses, <laughs> but not that badly, right? I mean, the the... Management of expectations here is interesting. Let's break this down, give you a sense of what some of the data tells us, because we want to take a forward look now. Here's where we are. Donald Trump is barring, you know, force majeure, catastrophe, something that is unforeseeable at this moment. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Um, That leaves open a very small window for something else, but it is a very... Very small window. I mean, I think it's it's likelier that China will invade Taiwan in the next year than it is that Donald Trump will not be the nominee for the Republican Party. That's how far I would go. So here's what we know. Nikki Haley, Clay, she uh, she loses to Donald Trump 11 points 
in the New Hampshire uh, primary. So Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, head-to-head. We'll also get into some of the Democrat stuff as well. Dean Phillips, people are he's making more noise than a lot of folks thought he would, at least right now, uh, which is perhaps uh, something we should have expected. But here we go. This is uh, first up, Nikki Haley last night. Let's give her 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 say. This is cut two, and she says the race is far from over. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. All right, you, you want to jump in now? Because yeah, Trump, yeah. Trump trashed what she said, but we'll get to that. Let's start with what she says, your reaction. It's over. And I, so Nikki Haley deserves credit for coming in second place. There is no pathway to her becoming the nominee. And let me just say this. If you disagree, 800-282-2882, tell me, and or tell Buck, because I think you agree with me, as you just said at the open, Trump is going to be the nominee. And I'm not talking about, oh, Trump has a major health condition. Or the Supreme Court out of nowhere suddenly says, oh, guess what? Trump can be kept off the ballots, right? I'm not talking about a highly implausible but very impactful scenario. We could also get hit by an asteroid and the election could not happen in 2024, right? There are all sorts of low probability, high impact events that are out there, but something that Nikki Haley can control herself, beating Donald Trump, she does not have that in her arsenal. And in South Carolina in particular, it is going to be, A massacre. Donald Trump is going to smoke Nikki Haley in South Carolina. I'm in Tennessee, Buck. Tennessee votes on March the 5th. Trump is going to beat Nikki Haley in my home state of Tennessee by 40 points. I don't see a state where Nikki Haley is going to beat Donald Trump. And if all that is true, which I think it is, and your goal is to beat Joe Biden, which I take Nikki Haley at her word it is, I don't understand her pathway here. And, Buck, this is the same argument we made on Wednesday as it pertained to Ron DeSantis. After Ron DeSantis lost in the state he campaigned in hardest by 30 points, we said there is no pathway for Ron DeSantis to be the nominee. Nikki Haley's state was New Hampshire. She put all of her eggs in the New Hampshire basket. To her credit, she came within 11, but that was with very lenient abilities of people to vote in the New Hampshire primary. Republicans are rejecting her. In all these states where Republicans are going to be more prominent, she's going to lose by more. There is no pathway to Nikki Haley becoming the nominee. Okay, so now we look at what is the calculation that she's making uh, and and will it extend to her taking this not just to first step South Carolina, her home state, and then beyond to stay in as long as she can? 
Uh, on the, we can do a little pro and con here, right? On the pro side of things, uh, from Nick, from Nikki Haley's perspective, there's not like a governorship she has to get back to. You know, Ron DeSantis is like, yeah. all right, I'm out. I'm going to go back to being the governor of a 21 million person state. You know, I got things to do. Uh, Nikki Haley, I, I mean, she was on the boards of companies and giving speeches, right? She was basically yes. getting ready to run for the presidency for the last few years. So that means that as long as she's in the public eye, you can make a case that it is brand enhancing for her, setting up the future for her. However, the con side of this, I think one, going into your home state and getting just shellacked is a bad idea. Um, because it just looks like, really, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna lose in, in the state where you were the governor. And two, um, I think that people are going to start to feel like she's draining resources from the general election fight on a vanity project and the GOP base, which is solidly behind Trump, will not forgive or forget that. Look, I agree with everything you just said. I also think Nikki Haley deserves credit. And this is what we have said since all of these debates started. And I know this makes people upset. I actually think Nikki Haley would not be a bad, bad vice presidential pick for Donald Trump. I understand people out there get upset and probably the emails are rolling in right it's now. At my Clay mentions. Travis on Twitter. That was Clay who was saying that. Clay and, Travis. And my, my mentions are going to get deluged. Here's the deal. All I care about is winning, right? I'm not a, I'm not a purity guy. I'm not sitting around arguing. Like all I care about is winning. And Nikki Haley does do well with suburban women who are independent swing voters and the people that are persuadable. And I'm not sure, Buck, at this point in time that you can point me to anyone that Trump would pick that would help him win the general election as a vice presidential candidate more than Nikki Haley, right? Let's consider. I like Elise Stefanik. I love the way she stood up to Harvard and MIT and Penn. I think she's pretty smart. I think she's a talented politician. I don't think she brings you anything new. I like Tim Scott. Uh, if you wanted to argue to me, oh, that he is going to help with the black vote, maybe I squint black men and can see that a little bit, but I don't think he really changes the dynamic very much. Trump is probably on path right now to overperform for a GOP candidate already. among young black men already. So yes. I'm not sure that and, it moves the needle anymore. And and by the way, I don't know that Tim Scott really does a good job against Kamala Harris, where I, I think Elise Stefanik could let him let her have it. I think I, he can, can I tell you well though, there. Yeah, yeah. This is this. So this, but see, now we're talking about VP. We got to factor in. Well, what did Trump say in response to? I we played Haley soundbite. She's like a big congratulations to Donald Trump, but this is not over. Trump is like. Well, you know what? Let's just hear it from Trump. This is cut four. Play it. She was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. And you uh, you have the very the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago he said, we're going to win, we're going to win in the last side, we're going to win. About three days ago he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. So I'll say this. 
Right now, Nikki Haley is being treated by Trump and, and MAGA as the enemy in this election, so to speak, right? I mean, there, she is, she's the them. She's not the, she's not yeah. with us. She could turn that around very quickly, I think, through a negotiation and yes. a discussion about Nikki Haley. Look, you, you, you want a prediction? I, I think Clay, I, I don't disagree with his assessment that she may be helpful in some ways to the ticket, although there are some numbers. Well, actually, she might be helpful with those numbers. There are some troubling GOP numbers, though, from New Hampshire. Not troubling, like, oh, my gosh, but, you know, a little bit of a wrinkle in things for Trump. We can, we'll can we dive into that in a few minutes. But you look at Nikki Haley, Clay, and this is somebody who I think would, would help with suburban voters. However, Nikki Haley as Secretary of State, she'd be perfectly happy doing that job. Maybe Rick Grinnell is happy being CIA director, and that's you, you start to see how... Now is the time, because if I'm Nikki Haley, I sit down with, with Donald Trump and say, look, you know, let's do this, and I'll save you tens of millions of spend, which he may not have to spend, to be clear. Maybe he says, I don't I don't need you, I don't need that. But that would be the smartest play from my perspective for her, because going and getting blown out in South Carolina, I don't think she'll be VP, Clay, but I do think there's a cabinet position if she steps da- if she steps down sooner than later. Yeah, Secretary of State would be good, and let me say this. I know a lot of the Trump people listen. I would suggest, first of all, Trump's right. They need to pivot to the general. And we're going to have a 250-day, whatever it is, general election between Trump and Biden, although I still think Biden's going to uh, end up getting stepped down, forced out. But a lot. what's one of the criticisms you hear of Trump? That he didn't make great selections? <laughs> there are a few that I've heard. One of the key criticisms you will hear from people who are trying to be fair, right? Not just he's Hitler, not just he's evil is that he didn't hire the best people as a part of his first cabinet. Right? He admits he that. Have... He, he, yeah. he has said that. Just so anyone who says, no, he, did, you know, he didn't hire the best people. In some cases, he hired good people. I think he's got some good advisors. Uh, Stephen Miller, in particular, who comes on this show regularly, I think would be phenomenal and will be really uh, helpful in putting together that staff. I would start to roll out the cabinet. To your point, Buck, when you say, hey, Nikki Haley, Secretary of State, Grinnell, maybe CIA, whatever you want to say, I would go ahead and put out your whole team. I would put together the best possible cabinet you could have. Get your attorney general lined up. Let everybody, in the same way, what was the best thing Trump did in his last uh, last campaign? Most effective, I would say. You ask these broad questions. There are so many things he did in the campaign. I, I, I think putting out his list of potential Supreme Court nominees in terms of what his administration would look like. When he put out, this you is mean the 2016, list of, not 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2016. Yeah. When yeah. he put out, so I say 2020, I meant 2016. You just said when the last election. Out, That's why I was like, whoa, okay, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, my bad. So when he put out in 2016 his list, these are the 20 people I would consider, I think it was 20, uh, for the Supreme Court. Everybody looked at him and said, damn, this is a really good list. And it took away a lot of the fear. I think if you put together an elite cabinet and went ahead behind the scenes and got everybody lined up and started to roll them out as a part of your general election, and you said, on day one, I'm going to take the oath of office, and we are going to be hitting the ground running. I think that would be really compelling because it would go to alleviate some of the concerns about who might surround Trump. I would advise them to start putting together their cabinet right now. And maybe Nikki Haley is a VP. Maybe Nikki Haley is Secretary of State. I think everybody gets in line pretty quickly, and I think Trump could have an incredible cabinet, but he needs to start working on it right now. That there would be my some, suggestion. There are some concerns uh, that have come from the day. Look, a win for Trump, a big win. 
Not as big as we thought it would be. I think we both said it's going to be in double digits. Oh, wait, it was just barely, right? Sorry. So it was. Yeah, we said 11 20. Points. We thought, okay. we thought around 20. I, I thought it, it would be more than We both, yeah, we both thought it would be more than that, but it was still a big win. It was into double, it was in double digits. So, you know, it's, um, a moment here where you can look at the data and start to look forward in terms of what this tells us. And we will break down some of those numbers here coming up. Is there a problem? with some Republican voters who are really going to stick to they won't vote for Trump in the general. This is what is coming out of some of the exit polling we shall discuss. Also, if you have any thoughts about Nikki Haley, if there is anyone who wants to make the case on the air, and we mean this, we'd love to, we're not going to interrupt you, we want to hear what you think um, about why Nikki Haley should stay in. I'm sure plenty of you think she should get out. If anyone wants to call in, put them at the front of the line, the front of the queue, guys to make the case for why Haley should stay in, because I'm curious to hear it. I'm sure there are some people who feel passionately about it. Also, my friends, the Tunnel to Tower Foundation, it's incredible. Clay and I are honored to be partnered with this incredibly worthy organization that supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. These are heroes, and we owe them a debt of gratitude. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget Programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues. Clay and I have both attended these events. You know, Carrie has done the uh, the Tunnel the Towers climb in New York a few times. Clay's been to the golf outings. They're great fun for the people who gather together, and they raise money for an amazing cause. Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute also educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation to keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty on demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. 
On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hour, Clay and Bucks starts right now, everybody. And we're diving into the latest from New Hampshire and the Republican primary. Also speak a little bit about this Dean Phillips fellow uh, who is running against Joe Biden. He was up there. But we want to take your calls to 800-282-2882 so you can weigh in on everything that we are seeing. Uh, first up, Ronna McDaniel, who is RNC chair, uh, says that it's time for Nikki to drop. Nikki Haley doesn't have a path. This is cut 12. Let's play it. We have never had a nominee in our party that has won without winning either Iowa or New Hampshire. Donald Trump is the first ever to win both. I'm looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump, and we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election, and we can't wait any longer to put our put on the gas to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through, allowed inflation to go rampant. He is hurting the American people, and we need to do everything we can to unite so that we can defeat him. So that's the RNC uh, head, uh, Ronna McDaniel, who you'll recall Trump supported in that moment where it was possibly going to go RNC chairman's job was going to go to someone else. Uh, and Trump gave his endorsement to Rana and that helped push her over the, uh, over the finish line to stay in that job. Clay, I just thought it was interesting to, to note for everybody out there. Nikki Haley has released, you just heard the RNC chairman, uh, that was from, I think last night or this morning saying that Rana McDaniel, I'm sorry, uh, Nikki Haley needs to drop out. Here is Nikki Haley releasing an ad where she's going after Trump. This is cut 11 going after Trump and Biden. Biden too old. Trump too much chaos. A rematch no one wants. There's a better choice for a better America. Her story started right here. America's youngest governor, a conservative Republican. And boy, did she deliver. It's a great day in South Carolina. What's the play here? I mean, first of all, that not not a great ad. uh, But what's the play? What's the move for Nikki Haley as you see it? Is this in the same way that on Wednesday last week we came on this show and said there is no path for Ron DeSantis. It makes no sense for him to continue in this race. There is no path for Nikki Haley. It makes no sense for her to continue in this race. And so Nikki Haley needs to get out of the race. You just heard the only way that that, that ad that she's running 
The only way that Nikki Haley makes sense is if she's now working for the Democrats because she can attack Donald Trump. She can force him to potentially have to spend, I don't know, millions and millions, if not tens of millions of dollars on the Republican primary campaign that would otherwise be able to be allocated to go after Joe Biden. So if Nikki Haley is desirous of Joe Biden losing, then she should end her presidential campaign immediately. If she is trying to sabotage Trump and Biden, then maybe it makes sense. But how does that make any sense at all? I We, we started off the show two hours ago and we said open phone lines. Is there one person in America listening to us right now? And there are millions that will defend Nikki Haley remaining in the presidential campaign. Not one person called in. There are millions of you out there listening to us right now. 800-282-2882. And we should also mention, we have invited Nikki Haley to come on the program and make the case to you why she should stay in the race. Nikki Haley has not responded to our invitation. Now, we've had her on the show before. But I would submit to you, if you were trying to win the Republican race, and it was you against Donald Trump, and you were invited on this program to speak to millions of voters and tell all of them why you should still be running for president, wouldn't you take that opportunity? So far, Nikki Haley hasn't. Now, again, open invite to her to come on the program and make the case for why she should stay in the race. I see no pathway for her being the nominee. I see, therefore, no legitimate basis for her to stay in the race. Open phone lines for any Nikki Haley supporter. Why should she stay in the race? And and, and by the way, arguing something that you can't control is not a reason to stay in the race. Because somebody might say, like the Wall Street Journal editorial board said, well, if Donald Trump ends up getting convicted of a crime and there's a decision made to move on from him, maybe Nikki Haley would have enough delegates to try to make a play to do that in July in Milwaukee at the Republican National Convention. She doesn't control that. And I think Trump's going to have already wrapped up the nomination easily. She doesn't control if Donald Trump has a health-related issue. If you don't control whether you can be the nominee or not, then you should drop out. The math doesn't add up. Nikki Haley, there's no reason whatsoever for her to stay in this race. Now, that's part one. Part two that's got people fired up is, I think she makes sense as a vice president. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stop. We're just, the, the, the people that, that are writing it is, I promise you, I tell, I tell Clay every time he says it, I'm like, trust me, they know that you think she's a good, she'd be a good vice president. But, uh, the, the, we got a new audience. By the, the third all- hour, a lot of people out there yeah. are new, new people who can get angry at me for saying it. Everybody was, I love the, I love the picture. You see the, uh, the Alonzo morning, uh, GIF or GIF, whatever you're supposed to pronounce it as, uh, where he sits on the bench in the Miami Heat uniform and he's shaking his head no. And then after a little while, he starts shaking his head yes. It's, it's a really popular, uh, meme that people will share because it's like, you know, it's just so interesting to think about what he was thinking and then you hear an argument. This is the reverse of that. A lot of the Trump people are not in their head that Clay's right. He's a truth teller. She's got to drop out. There's no basis whatsoever for her to stay in. And then when I pivot to, 
But he, she would make sense as a VP. They immediately get angry. So they're all, all I, the diehard Trump right people, they're 100% agreement, and then they're like, he's crazy. They just go right if, off the reservation there. If she drops out before South Carolina, uh, this is this is what I see happening. If she drops before South Carolina, Nikki Haley, and Trump wins, Nikki Haley ends up being Secretary of State. That's what I think happens. That's not a bad theory. Do you agree with me? That Trump should start to put his together his cabinet right now, yes, and start rolling it out for everybody he, he should, to see it. For, for you know, I will say this: I think even if Haley were to stay in, I don't think Trump needs to spend. Look, he doesn't have that. to show up for debates. He's not going to debate her. He doesn't really have to spend money. He's going to blow out the competition. She's his only competition left, and all these other states that are left. So I, I think he just, and I, I see this happening already, but. You know, the battleships have to all just focus their fire on the enemy here. Like, they're, yeah. this is not, Nikki Haley is not going to be president. It's not going to happen. And so they might as well take the attitude. Look, Trump is, uh, in terms of the strategy here of the primary, there have been a few things that have worked remarkably well. One of them was not showing up for debates. Yes. If you had told somebody, I, I know now it's, it's, a perception. It's like, well, of course Trump did that. But if you had said 10 years ago that any Republican would be the leading uh, contender, uh, or sorry, would be the, basically become the nominee by refusing to show up and debate. At one point, there were, what, five or six people that were on that debate that, you know, were going to be on that debate stage or were on that debate stage. You would That would have been crazy. Oh, people would say you're scared to face the voters. Not with Trump. People didn't feel like the primary was necessary. I, I, let me build also on, I like your idea, Nikki Haley, Secretary of State. Maybe that makes more sense. I think you roll out all the different cabinet members and Trump can go a long way towards aligning the rest of the Republican party because I don't know who the choice would be, but basically put any Secretary of State who looks, uh, sorry, Secretary of Treasury, uh, Treasury, Secretary of Transportation against Mayor Pete. When you start lining up the two respective options. Okay, you've got the gay mayor of uh, of South Bend, Indiana, who's the only transportation secretary any of us can name pretty much in the last 20 years because he's done such a crappy job compared to whatever candidate that Trump would put out there. And go ahead and get everybody to agree Merrick Garland is the attorney general. Who would Trump pick as his attorney general? I would love to know. If Ted Cruz was not running for re-election as the, uh, as a senator from Texas, because I think he'd probably prefer to keep that job. I think Ted Cruz would make an incredible attorney general. I think Senator Mike Lee from, uh, Utah would make an incredible attorney general. I, and I, by the way, I like this too because it does two things. Well, it does a few things, but two that come to mind immediately for Trump. One, pivot to the general. You're in a general election now. We all know it. People can say, oh, but we need to let the people vote. Yeah, they can vote. That's fine. But the strategy for, I'm talking about from a Trump campaign perspective. Yes. He's in a general against Joe Biden. That's where we are. Now, maybe the Biden thing shifts, whatever, but he's in a general against the Democrat party. Um, with that in mind, putting forward the cabinet and discussing these things, I don't think it's premature at all. Um, because one, it can create, especially just people being in the mix. They become surrogates for the Trump campaign in the sense that they'll be asked, you know, hey, so and so, you know, assuming it's someone that is seriously being considered and that, that has a good relationship with Trump, you know, you're being talked about as a possible treasury secretary. Yeah, I think that'd be great. 
because we would fix the mess that Biden's yes. making of the economy, right? It, it, it puts things into the news cycle. It creates discussion points that are positive, that are constructive. And then it, so it pivots Trump toward the general. It starts to filter into the news cycle and it also f- focuses everyone on policies and fixes early on because you can talk about some of these high level picks for an administration, whether it's the VP, the Secretary of State, the Treasury, Secretary of Defense. Um, and, and it gets people thinking about how things would be different under a Trump administration. So to me, there's no reason. The reason you wouldn't normally do that would be it looks presumptuous. It's not yeah. presumptuous. We're there. Correct. We should have that discussion. And it also sends the message, I'm ready to go day one. Because a huge part of the transition and the time that you spend, if everybody already knew who the pick was, then the attorney general can already start making telephone calls, the potential attorney general nominee, to figure out, hey, who's going to work underneath him or her, right? Whoever these people are that are getting slotted in, Secretary of State, Vice President, they can put together their staffs, and you legitimately would have the most capable on-the-ground transition team ready to go five minutes after Trump steps down, having been sworn in uh, as President of the United States in January of next year. That To me, that is the play. Even, you know, Trump is the ultimate, you know, he did The Apprentice and everything else. Even if you wanted to say, hey, here's our schedule, right? I think that would be amazing. We Here is the next six months. We are announcing each of our cabinet members on this day. We're going to have a press conference. We'll introduce it with them. It would be really impressive television. It would be great theater. To me, it's a no-brainer to go ahead and put together the team and I think that would go a long way because people say, oh, you know, I'm not necessarily happy with Trump. The best thing he did in 2016 was put out his potential Supreme Court nominees early. Go ahead and tell us who your nominees are to be members of this cabinet. Let's get it rolling now. Yep, I, I agree. 800-282-2882. What do you think about this? And do you have some suggestions, not for VP, some suggestions that you think would be important on policy in a Trump administration in some of the other prominent spots i'm pretty sure we could get a better transportation secretary for example i'm just throwing that out there and it allows you to compare and buck which would kill it would do really really well i think in a lot of cases people say wait who does biden have running that agency there'd be a lot of that so it's absolutely worthwhile on the days you want to be reminded about the goodness that is found in america there's a podcast series worthy of your time it's called our american stories it's a daily podcast series that features stories about America and its people. Whether those Americans are immersed in sports, business, or the arts, their stories are compelling. On today's episode, you can hear Washington's Farewell to the Nation address or the backstory behind the owner of a famous thoroughbred horse named Secretariat, who won the 1973 Triple Crown. Each day, Our American Stories tells the stories about the men and women who built this country and continue to do so. Find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Make it a part of your day. Get Our American Stories on the iHeartRadio app free or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, Our American Stories. Download it today. Truth after truth. You can handle the truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Joined now by our friend Julie Kelly who is doing fabulous work on all the Jan 6-related cases and uh, also tracking all of the lawfare against President Trump. And we're going to get into some of that um, uh, latest on Jan 6th and files and what might be happening. 
But just uh, off the top here, Julie, we're sitting end of January, right? By next week, we'll be end of February. Technically, mm-hmm. the case in Washington, D.C. against Trump, the Jack Smith, Jan 6th related case, is supposed to start on March 4th. There hasn't been any update that I'm aware of, but we're basically a month from the start of that trial date. It's very fair to say there's no way we're starting on March 4th, even though there hasn't been an official pronouncement of that uh, change. When do you think that trial might happen? And are you starting to think that New York City and Alvin Bragg might actually get the first bite at the Trump prosecution apple? Right. So this March 4th trial date, there's no conceivable way that it can move forward. And here's why it's on hold is um, as the courts are figuring out this presidential immunity issue. So this is the first time we know that a president, former president, has been criminally charged and the courts need to sort this out. So there this is on appeal. Judge Chutkin, who's overseeing the January 6th case in Washington, issued an order last month saying denying Donald Trump's presidential immunity claims that then went to the appellate court. There was a hearing by a three-judge panel on January 9th. We're waiting to get that decision. We're assuming it's a uh, three-Democrat judge panel. We're assuming that they're going to uphold Judge Chutkin's lower court ruling. But that eventually then has to get to the Supreme Court. They are going to have to determine if for the first time a president, a former president, can be held criminally liable for his actions in office. So that's why this March 4th trial date is on hold. All of the pretrial calendar up until this point is on hold. And Judge Chutkin last week in a separate filing sort of suggested that this March 4th trial date was not going to happen and that she was going to make sure that all the time now that has been suspended leading up to this March 4th trial date, that that would all be sort of backfilled once the presidential immunity issue is resolved. So this could push the trial into what, May, June, over the summer? Um, and so to your point, does Alvin Bragg go first? And keep in mind, we still have the classified documents case in Southern Florida. That trial date is set for May 20th. Those pretrial deadlines also on hold pending the outcome of the DC trial. So we have all these things kind of in flux. But look, I'll tell you, Merrick Garland made it very clear in an interview last week, uh, that he will abide by related to pursuing any kind of political prosecution or investigation before an election. He says that this is now in the hands of the judges. It's out of his hands. And so will Judge Chutkin move forward with the D.C. trial over the summer uh, or even into the fall? Uh, I believe that she would. So, I mean, Julie, I, I know there's so many moving pieces here, and and I'm asking you to to look into the crystal ball a little bit, but, uh, you know, right now, based on the timelines, the motions, the decisions that have come down thus far are, you know, how do you gauge which trials are likely to happen before the election and which aren't at this stage? You know what I mean? Of of the four criminal trials, how would you each one uh, assess that, it's likely or not likely to actually happen before the general election, which we now know is going to be a Trump election. 
So my guess would be the classified documents trial. Uh, Judge Aileen Cannon there has been very skeptical of Jack Smith and DOJ's handling of this case. She is the one that suspended a lot of the deadlines back in November. She was saying that there was no way the March 4th trial in D.C. would be finished in time to prepare for the May 20th trial date. There's going to be a hearing in her courtroom on March 1st where we are going to get to watch special counsel Jack Smith's team, Jay Bratt, go to Judge Cannon and explain why that trial is on hold. So my guess is this classified documents case might never go to trial, especially if Donald Trump wins. Um, she has been very skeptical, and now, I don't know, she won't push a May 20th trial date. They're not even close to being ready to take that to trial. So do they really want Alvin Bragg's case to be first out of these four criminal prosecutions? I doubt it. Fannie Willis, we know in Fulton County, is already in a lot of trouble, scandal enveloping her prosecution and the hiring of her lover, Nathan Wade. So my guess is still that if you had to bet that the D.C. trial with Judge Chutkin and this four-count indictment by Jack Smith, that is still probably the most likely a case to go to trial before the election. And that would be wild, Julie, because as you just said, and and as you're breaking down, I, I actually think they may not be able to start this till after July 4th, because I, I think it's going to be hard to, depending on when the Supreme Court ruling comes down on, as you have mentioned, mm-hmm. one half of the four charges that Jack Smith has brought so far could potentially be tossed out as not able to be prosecuted, right? So I think starting a trial with half of your charges potentially tossed before you even maybe finish the trial would be crazy. And that could mean, if I'm right, that we're talking about them trying to do a trial right in the middle of a a legitimate presidential campaign, right? Even during the primary is ridiculous. But to do it in July and August leading into... Uh, the 2024 election is beyond insane. It is. And to your point, just to clarify what you're talking about, because this is really important and this could impact Jack Smith's case in D.C. more than the presidential immunity issue. And that is the Supreme Court reviewing the DOJ's application of 1512 C2 obstruction of an official proceeding. This is the felony that's been slapped against more than 300 January 6th defendants, but also represents two of the four counts in Jack Smith's J6 2020 election criminal indictment. The Supreme Court has already granted cert in that. We're expecting oral arguments in March or April, and we should get a good sense, Clay, by, by the time when we're hearing how the Supreme Court is handling this, whether they are poised to overturn how DOJ has intentionally misinterpreted this post-Enron evidence tampering statute to criminalize political dissent. So we already know that four justices agreed to grant cert in this case, meaning they want to review what the appellate court did, which was basically uphold how DOJ has been using it. But if they do reverse the appellate court and say that DOJ has not properly interpreted either the spirit, the letter, the language of this law, That will be devastating to Jack Smith's case and really the heart of the Department of Justice's ongoing January 6th criminal prosecution. So that's a big one to watch. So that just kind of adds to all these moving parts and influx. So then what does Jack Smith do? 
if he is picking up signals from the Supreme Court that they are going to reverse how DOJ is using obstruction of an official proceeding, will he move forward a D.C. trial with two other really vague counts, uh, conspiracy to defraud the United States and conspiracy to deny the rights of individuals? I mean, that's even fuzzier than the obstruction count. Will he bring an additional indictment? Or will he just take his losses and try to put all of his eggs in the classified documents case? I doubt that, too, because he does not have a friendly judge in Judge Aileen Cannon uh, in southern Florida, quite the um, opposite of what he's dealing with in Washington. So um, we'll see what the Supreme Court does. That'll be a big signal. Julie, uh, just one more thing. You've had a lot of contact with uh, January 6th defendants and, and their families uh, do you have any sense from, I mean, now that it looks like Trump is the Republican nominee, I'm just wondering if you can give us a little bit of, are some of these individuals who have been handed extremely severe prison sentences, are they already thinking, I might have my freedom back in one year if Donald Trump wins? I mean, does that come up at all? Do you hear that from the families? It does. I mean, they are very hopeful. And that's why you see a lot of January 6th defendants and their families backing Donald Trump, because they really believe he is their only hope for exoneration. And I will tell you on the 1512 count, you already have judges who are delaying sentences. Uh, and in some cases, defense attorneys are coming back and asking for release of their defendants on a conviction or plea for 1512. So it's already having an impact. But, yes, they are very hopeful. They believe their only chance of freedom, exoneration, clearing their name and getting the truth about January 6th is if Donald Trump is elected in November. Speaking of that truth about January 6th, you put out the story about uh, the, the the possibility of these uh, videos or these documents being wiped clean. And they're trying on the January 6th committee to keep them from being recovered. What do you know about that story and what is the impact? It's just another example of Betty Thompson and Nancy Pelosi's January 6th Select Committee destroying and concealing evidence, not just from the public, but from House Republicans who are entitled to all of the evidence, four terabytes, we're told, of evidence produced and collected by this committee. Um, so this was just the latest revelation from Representative Barry Loudermilk, who is basically investigating the January 6th Select Committee and t- trying to collect all of this evidence, um, which we already know has not just been buried and destroyed by Benny Thompson. But some key transcripts are now buried at the Joe Biden White House, and those relate to Secret Service records. Uh, transcripts with Secret Service agents, and we still can't get our eyes on that either. This also, speaking of obstruction of an official proceeding, this also represents hiding potentially exculpatory evidence from January 6th defendants, including Donald Trump, by this investigation, uh, you know, depositions that were taken under oath, evidence that they solely collected this committee that could be used potentially as exculpatory evidence in ongoing criminal procedures. This is a crime in and of itself. Julie Kelly, everybody, declassified with Julie Kelly is her Substack. If you want to be really up to speed uh, week to week on what's going on with all things J6, the fight that Trump has for his legal rights, and, of course, the 2024 election. Julie, thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right, Clay. You've gotten a few right. I have to give you, I have to give you credit. Apparently, if you want to get a good pick 
coming up for the big game this week. You listen to this show, and you might be making some great money. Mr. Clay's advice via prize picks has been working out for me quite well so far. Prize picks is amazing. Clay's, it's, I would say, so easy when it comes to sports, even Buck can use it. I mean, that's what's going on here. I'm really enjoying it. It's fun to see those numbers go up. So thank you for being correct on this one. Um, and do you have anything that you want to throw out there for people for this week that we need to know? Or, or do we wait until Friday? I will give Friday? you the picks on Friday. But if you're out there and you're listening to us right now, and maybe your friends and family are going to be, as tens of millions of people will, watching the NFC and the AFC championship games all day Sunday, and you just want to have a rooting interest because your team's not there, maybe you don't even care that much, get ready for the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you, hopefully on Friday, prize picks winners. Right. So, so far he's been doing great. I, I hate to have to admit this because, you know, Clay doesn't need any more confidence, but he has been doing very well with these prize picks. And so you'll be getting those picks on Friday. It's a lot of fun, folks. I've got the app on my phone. Download the prize picks app. Select two or more players. Pick more or less on their projection. A whole bunch of different stats you can choose from. And it's that easy. You can turn $10 into a thousand dollars with just a few taps. You get easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, a huge selection of players and stat options, tennis even if you want to get into that, but I know most of you it's going to be basketball, football, but I like the tennis stuff. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit of up to $100. Just download the Prize Picks app, a Prize Pick app and use the code BUCK, okay? So download that Prize Picks app now. Use that promo code BUCK. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks app, download it now. Make sure you use Promo code B-U-C-K. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Find every podcast as they're released and listen. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame 
thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we gear up for the biggest year in politics, one thing we can all do now is start voting with our wallets. By supporting brands and companies that share your values, you're sending a message. It's like buying a team jersey, and we're on Team Sanity. Our sponsors are, too. So before we get behind the candidates, let's get behind the people, our people. Everyday men and women who have started businesses across the country, people just like you and me. Support a Clan Buck sponsor and let your voice be heard. The more of us that support them, the louder our collective voice becomes. All right, everybody, welcome back. You know, we dove deep into the uh, border issue yesterday and talked about the Supreme Court ruling, 5-4 ruling, with Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts joining that majority of uh, of leftists to say that the state of Texas cannot put razor wire down to help prevent illegal entry because the razor wire is interfering with the federal government's ability to choose to not do its job on immigration. That's, that's basically what's going on here, right? So they're pretending that they want to do it. I mean, it, it would be like, you know, imagine if, if you were, if your house was on fire, and you and and the the fire department doesn't arrive, and all of a sudden you're grabbing buckets and you're going to start throwing buckets of water. Anything you can do, and the fire department arrives and says, "No, that's our job. You're not allowed to do that." And then they don't turn the hoses on. That's the Biden administration. That is what they are doing on immigration. They are pretending that it's their prerogative, but really it's just their prerogative to do nothing and to let this continue. And that's what's going on. Uh, our friend Glenn Beck had a, had a D- Department of Public Safety spokesman on his show from Texas Department of Public Safety to say that Texas is not going to stop, Clay. I thought this was really interesting. Yeah. And is going to lay down more razor wire. And uh, Nancy Mace, member of Congress, and I would say in the top ten for possible Trump VPs, by the way, but we don't have to get into that right now. Not top five, but I think she's in the top ten conversation. Um, she's saying... That even Democrats, this is cut 23, are angry about what's going on in cities with illegals. Play it. Depending on the kind of the kind of district you're in, whether it's purple or red, immigration could be the number one issue. Uh, the, the economy and immigration are the top two issues. Abortion is always going to be up there in swing states and swing districts. But every town is now a border town. Even in South Carolina, our law enforcement have arrested members of the MS-13 gang. There are fentanyl overdoses every single day. Every every state's a border state now because of the influx of millions and millions of illegal aliens. Joe Biden has allowed into this country with no end in sight. Under Donald Trump, this was not happening. People see that. They feel that. Even Democrats in New York and Chicago, they're angry at Joe Biden for what he's done to their cities. It's all his fault. It's true. I like Nancy Mace. Uh, I think she's interesting. I know that some of you out there are going to say she vacillates some ways in the direction that she goes on particular issues, but I think she's smart. I think she understands who the swing voters are going to be because of the districts that she has come to represent over time. Uh, there in South Carolina. Um, 
Remember, she didn't endorse Trump in 2020. What, she voted for impeachment, I think. And now she's come out and endorsed Trump in the 2024 election, which is quite a, uh, quite a pivot. Uh, but I think it means that, that she is willing to acknowledge changing circumstances. And I think she gets to the essence of a lot of these issues. Let me, let me hit you with a question here, Buck, which I haven't heard anybody ask about. So a couple of things on this, uh, border related wire being put down. We've reached out to uh, to the governor of Texas, and we will get him on, Greg Abbott, I would bet in the next couple of weeks. He's, uh, I think, in India, they said right now, on a, uh, on a trip trying to gin up more business for the state of Texas. Obviously been reelected, term limited out there. How does he play this politically? Because the state versus federal government on immigration could lead to the state of Texas being held in contempt in some way of the court rulings related to this. That's point one. Point two, I analyzed yesterday, I put on my lawyer hat, and I pretended I was trying to give you the argument for Amy Coney Barrett, also then talked about the four conservatives who had the other side here. Let me ask you this, as you look at John Roberts, and you know his political nature, how much of this ruling, Buck, could be a sign that they're going to be coming down in favor of Trump on some of these controversial decisions, and they're trying to balance out the equities here to avoid the Supreme Court getting accused of always being against Biden and pro-Trump. And they're they remember the yeah, thing to I, keep I in know, mind this about is, this. Your your take on this, I think, is is correct, but it's too positive. Or two sunshine and, and I'm not, I'm not saying why? I agree. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me just finish this for a second. Then you, you tee sure. off on it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think what all, everybody out there has to recognize is we're not seeing the full scorecard. Meaning John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett and all of these justices know what the behind the scenes votes are, are for all of these contentious uh, cases that are coming. And they know they're going to be dribbling them out all the way through June. And so if they're looking at the full scorecard and they say, oh, we're going to be on the Republican side, the Trump side on four really big cases, let's say. And then this one's kind of in the middle and they're like, well, we want to try to split it. So we'll be on this side to try to balance it. So I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying they have optics in the Supreme Court to know how cases that are not yet decided no, I, I will you. be coming out. OK, but now what I, tee what off. I meant it. What I meant, that's not a tee off thing. I just. When you say that, oh, well, this will establish if it comes up, if Trump, when Trump or if Trump wins, that he will be truly supreme on border issues. Yeah. Insofar as if there's a similar, uh, a similar question brought to them, but what they'll do is every federal judge in the country is going to find some way to bury Trump in the Administrative Procedures yes. Act or in the failure to give notice of the bureaucracy's page 727390. Yes. I mean, or, the, or know, environmental gonna, protection over whether or not, like, exactly. the, you know, the, the what, will the beast cross the border. So it's not a fair trade, in essence, because even if the Supreme Court goes, oh, well, you know, Texas can't do this, but at least that means that Trump, he comes along there'll be a million other little legal snags that they'll throw in the way to try to slow him down from being able to execute his authority. So it's not that I disagree with what you're saying. It's just I see that, you know, it's like heads we lose, tails they win, right? I mean, there's no way around this. 
Yeah, so that's that. I think you're 100% right on what will happen if Trump tries to build a wall and immigration-related issues. What I'm saying, though, on top of that is if they're going to come out, we were talking with Julie Kelly earlier, and if they're going to say that half of the charges that Jack Smith is bringing against Trump for these January 6th charges are not permitted to be exist, like they're misapplying that statute and it shouldn't be able to be applied against Jan 6 defendants, and if they're going to grant Trump potentially uh, expansive presidential privileges as it pertains to his powers to challenge this election, they know how that vote is going to come out already, and they may not be released until June. And so not even in the immigration capacity, although I do think presidential powers is fascinating there, they may just be trying to balance it out. So they give Biden a couple of wins even though Trump's going to get a couple of wins, so they don't get accused of just being completely in the tank for Trump. That's that's when I say that they know how the votes are going to come out. I do think Chief Justice Roberts will trade his vote. I do. And I think that is the opposite of constitutional legitimacy, right? I think when you're sitting there and you're like, well, it's 4-4, I want to get your uh, opinion that I like on this case, let me see if I'll take this side on this case. I think he did it with Obamacare. I think he did it with uh, with Roe v. Wade. Uh, I think he did it with um, so many of these cases out there. Well, and so he, I, he's I a, wonder he's if that insti- might be going he's on. He's an institutionalist, and unfortunately the institutions now all tend to lean a little left because there's this constant echo chamber effect of, oh, my gosh, they can't do that. That's yeah. you know. So I think I think he gets I think he gets bullied on things and starts to believe some of the press about how oh if the Supreme Court does that then it's illegitimate so then he goes oh okay I'm scared you know I I think you know I think that I think his Obamacare um decision was was just appallingly intellectually dishonest I mean I think that he's done a number of decisions where he just got scared of the Washington Post headlines and yes and this gets this is what gets me so fired up the entire reason you have lifetime tenure is to give you balls if you don't otherwise have balls. By which I mean you can't get removed. And I just don't understand some of these guys and gals who get into these positions and you worry what somebody at a cocktail party is going to think about you? I don't, I just, I don't get that. And, and this is the same position I have with all the billionaires out there like Mark Cuban who just turn into gelded eunuchs. Um, and they won't say what they actually think about a, an issue that's very important to the future of the country. Because they're afraid that somebody on a charity organization that they work with is going to have a negative opinion of them. I maybe there's something wrong with me, and I'm certainly willing to admit that that might very well be the case. I don't spend any time worrying what anybody thinks about me at all, other than the people that I live with and also work with. If people are like, "He's the worst human being to ever work," if you were like, "Man, it's really awful to sit down and do this show," I would like feel bad about that, right? Because I, you know me, and we work together. But the idea that I would walk into like a cocktail party and care what a bunch of people I don't know in Washington D.C. think about my opinion on Roe v. Wade is like it's so foreign to me. I think it's pathetic if that's true. If John Roberts is sitting around like worried about this, it defeats the entire purpose of having lifetime tenure. But I do think there's probably something to it, and I wonder how much of that is just balancing the way that directions are coming. Um, we'll talk about that and more. We'll take some of your calls. Uh, when we come back, appreciate all of you hanging out with us. And I want to tell you, maybe what John Roberts needs is some more testosterone. Maybe he just needs a little bit of vim, vigor, and vitality. Big, swelling biceps. 
to not even care anymore. Maybe he could be as strong as Reacher. I went to go see a great movie last night, Ordinary Angels. It's going to be out soon, a month from now. So good. And it starred Alan Rickman. I think I'm getting his name right. No, is Alan Rickman the guy from uh, Harry that's, Potter? That's Harry Snape. That's or that or not Harry Snape. Snape. Professor Snape and or Hans Gruber from Die Hard. And he's also dead. So he was not in the movie that I watched last night. That would have been weird. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. What's the guy's name? Who's now Alan Richter? Richter I think isn't it? Is it Richter? He, I, I was in Blue Mountain State with this guy. He was phenomenal in Ordinary Angels, and I think he has. Uh, like he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger at the absolute peak of his strength at Sylvester. Alan Rickson. Yes. He was amazing in it. Hillary Swank was amazing in it. But Alan Rickson in particular, maybe the strongest actor in Hollywood right now. That guy doesn't need more testosterone. He's got more chalk than he could possibly handle. John Roberts does. John Roberts needs a testosterone supplement so that he can recognize that we can protect our own southern border. Joe Biden needs it. Everybody out there right now who doesn't have the Vim Vigor Vitality to stand up for what you believe in, get a little bit of testosterone in your life. It's all natural. You can get 35% off your subscription for life. All you have to do is go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Clay, C-L-A-Y, in that code, 35% off for life. Maybe you made a a resolution. Buck and I are both getting fat. We're trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like us and you want to get in better shape and that's your resolution for 2024. CHOQ.com. Use my name, Clay. Having a little bit of extra energy can make a big difference in your life. CHOQ.com slash Clay. Get hooked up today. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind the scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24 seven. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.